seated today. As you can tell, we like to celebrate on our celebration services. Amen? Hey, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5. We've been in this series, Essentials, where we've been talking about the essentials of Christianity. We've been talking about foundational things in our lives. And one of the things about a foundation is that once a foundation is laid, a lot of times you don't see the foundation anymore. When you're building a home and, and you lay the foundation, you, you don't really see the concrete anymore unless you stain your concrete, but you don't really see that foundation. You don't really understand what's happening underneath of it unless things start happening above it. If you didn't lay the foundation right, you notice suddenly you get cracks in your drywall. You get different issues with your mortar and your brick and all kinds of these things start happening in our lives. And so when we lay the foundation right in our lives of understanding the essentials of Christianity, it literally when, we, when we've got that thing fixed, the thing that we can't really necessarily see all the time in our lives, it really makes a difference in the things that we are seeing in our lives. See, Third John says this about us. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in some of the things going on in your life. No, not right in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. That's God's plan and desire for our lives. Why doesn't that happen? Well, there's obviously a lot of reasons, but sometimes we don't have the foundation quite right in our lives. A problem comes in, we declare the problem. Instead of standing in faith, understanding what the Word of God says, because facts have to bend their knees to truth. Let me just say that again. Facts have to bend their knees to truth. And listen, this may be happening right now in your life, but the truth is over here found in the Word of God. And so we need to understand what that is. In fact, something that I want to encourage you in is when you see people in your life that they have a blessed marriage. They're, they're blessed in their health. They're blessed in areas of finances. Get around them and learn from them. We think that, that Christianity is a solo deal. I'm just going to kind of make my way and is what I can learn. I'm just going to kind of make it through it. That's never been God's intention. The Bible says that we are the body of Christ. Every one of us are involved. You're, a, you're an important part of the body of Christ. There's something that God has put in you, done through you, that we need. And we need to hear it from you. You've got something to say to other people to help them. And so when we get around other people, we not only know what we know, we now begin to learn what they know. See, we, we, we go through high school or get through college, and we think we're done learning. And in reality, we need to continue to learn the rest of our lives. There are people that have gone through some things, that have walked through some things, that will help you in an incredible way if you'll just tap into them. And when we don't, we just kind of remain at ground zero. We, we end up year after year having the same marriage issues. We end up year after year having the same financial struggles. We end up year after year being filled with anxiousness, depression, and anxiety. So we want to learn how to leave the elementary truths. In fact, here's what Hebrews 5 says. We have much to say about this, but it's hard to ex explain because you are slow to learn. I asked this last week, but how many of you admit with me, you're a little slow to learn sometimes? Here's some things you kind of hear over and over again, and you're thinking, okay, when I touch the fire, it burns me. Maybe I should stop touching the fire. How it actually applies for you is when I'm mean to my spouse, it burns me. Maybe I need to quit being mean to my spouse. Preach it, Pastor Richie, right? In fact, goes on to say, though by this time you ought to be teachers. 
All right, you, you should already know this. You shouldn't be sitting in the class anymore having to take notes, be nice to my spouse, right? You should be able to be teachers. You need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk being still an infant, right, is not acquainted about the teachings about righteousness. They don't understand what it means to be in right standing with God. That if you're a child of God, I want you to know today, the Bible says you've been declared righteous. You've been justified today. Well, I I haven't done enough right things. That's not what that means. It's because of what Jesus has done. You're not acquainted with the teachings of righteousness, but solid food is for the mature. We're growing up, we're we're developing, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. So if we're going to walk in all that God has for us, and we're going to build these beautiful homes and beautiful structures, we've got to get the foundation set right. We've got to understand the essentials. We've got to get these things right in our lives. Goes on in the next verse, which is just the next chapter. Therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ once they've been established and go on to maturity. God wants us to grow up. He wants us to walk in all that he has for us. And then he lists six things here again, not laying again these foundations of repentance from acts that lead to death. All repentance means is means to change your mind. If you've got some acts of death that you keep doing, repent of them. Change your mind about it. You know what? When I say this, this ugly thing happens in my life, I'm going to stop saying this. When I do this, this ugly thing keeps happening in my life, I'm going to stop doing that. Or when I'm not saying this, or I'm not doing this, repent from acts that lead to death, and of faith in God. Learn how to have faith in God. Don't put your faith in your circumstance, situations, your feelings. Verse 2. Instructions about baptisms, I talked about that last week. The laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. Now, again, I don't think the writer of Hebrews is trying to give us an exhaustive list that these are all the the foundational things, but but there's, there's some things here. In fact, right in the middle of this, he talks about the doctrine of laying on of hands. So I want to talk today about something that mothers are really good at, the doctrine of laying on of hands. Now, just so you know, I'm not talking about what Pim- Timothy or Paul warned Timothy not to do in 1 Timothy 5. He said, lay hands suddenly on no man. Because when I was growing up, my mom would lay her hands suddenly on me quite a bit. Meaning I got spankings. Because I was a little bit honoring. See, my parents felt that in order to get me to the right side, they me- needed to make an adjustment to my backside. And just so you know, for those of you that are anti-spanking, you got to work that out yourself. I survived. I really did. And it's probably not as bad as you think. Now, I do think sometimes it is lazy parenting because when you're frustrated, you know, I don't think I've ever told my kids, this is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. I've always told them, this is going to hurt you a lot more than it's going to hurt me. And so I think there's a place for that. But a lot of times we need to talk with them. But, but my mom would lay hands suddenly on me because, again, I was a little ornery. In fact, when, when I was growing up, we, I grew up in a small town in Iowa, and, and because of that, there were not a lot of things happening near Fort Madison, Iowa, all right? Town about 12,000, I actually lived in a, ha- in a town outside of there, in the suburbs, uh, about 200 uh, for that. We'd go into Fort Madison to have fun, but, but I lived on this country road, and it was about 50, 60 miles an hour was the speed limit through there, 
And we just would get so bored, we had to think of creative things to do. How many of you know what I'm talking about? In fact, when your kids are getting in trouble, chances are they just have more creativity than ideas and things they can do to fulfill that creativity. And that's why they're acting out doing wrong things. And so we would, we would do all kinds of crazy things. One of the things that we did was during when corn was getting really tall, I grew up in, in Iowa, getting lots of cornfields, we would actually go and pull up corn stalks by the, by the root and they would have a big clump of dirt on it. And then we'd go take them out in the highway and we would set them across the highway. So car, cars would literally be driving 60 miles an hour and we'd have them four or five deep. And they all of a sudden thought they were driving right into a cornfield. So they'd lock up their brakes and skid and everything. And we'd sit over in the bushes laughing. It's funny. Set them back up again. Do it again. It was great. Until a motorcycle came by and started really fishtailing and just about lost it. And we thought, okay, this is not very good. Let's not do that anymore. So what we did next is we went and ripped down a stop-ahead sign and a stop sign. We built little bases on them and stuck them right out in the middle of our highway, right in front of our house. So about a quarter of a mile down, there was a stop-ahead sign, and right in front of our house, there was a stop sign. And so this time, we didn't have to hide. We just sat out in lawn chairs and watched cars for hours pull up, and they would pull up, stop ahead, stop, right in the middle of the highway, and then drive on, and we would chuckle. It was pretty fun until we kind of got bored with it, and then we decided we're, we're missing cars going the other way, and we didn't have another stop-ahead sign, so whenever we'd see a car coming the other way, we'd real fast run out there, flip the stop sign around, and now they're going 60 miles an hour, and they're locking it up, sliding up to the stop sign, and then going on. Some of you are going, now I see why your mom laid hands on you suddenly, Right? <laughs> And it wasn't a, it, just law-abiding issues, it was we were ornery with each other. We were constantly pranking each other, pray, playing tricks on each other. And one time I got home really late, and growing up, one of the staples in our house was um, cornbread and beans and spinach. We had it, we had it so much, I don't, honestly, I don't like it anymore. And it was that canned spinach. You all know what I'm talking about? Some of you are like, what? Yeah, it was this really nasty stuff. And, it, and it, when you would poured out, there was some really dark green uh, spinach. But there's also some really light green spinach. And, and I was eating one night, and I was looking, and there was just a light green piece of spinach on my plate. And I was looking at that, and I was thinking, man, that looks really nasty. And as I'm thinking that, I look in the front room, and my brother Dave is in there watching TV. All the lights are off, and he's got, he doesn't have a shirt on. And I'm looking at that spinach, and I'm going, that looks nasty. I go, wouldn't it be funny? If I got over to my brother, act like I sneeze, throw that down on his chest. Some of you think, oh, Pastor Richie. I thought that would be the funniest thing in the world. So I go over there, pick it up, go over there, act like I sneeze, I throw it down. I don't see it on his chest. All of a sudden, my brother jumps up and he's going, hoo, 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 hoo. It had literally gone in his mouth, gone. Put yourself in his shoes. It had gone all the way to the back of his throat. He's dying. I am laughing so hard. I can't tell him. It's just spinach. It, it seriously probably it felt like five minutes. And finally, I got myself together and I said, Dave, it's okay. It's just spinach. As soon as I did it, he's like, oh, okay, okay. We were ornery. And so there's a reason why my mom laid hands on us suddenly. All right, but listen, the, the laying on of hands isn't something that's negative or abusive in any way. Listen, it was an impartation. In fact, it was when people, a lot of times at the end of their life or just during their life, they would lay their hands on people to bless them. They wanted to impart something into a life. They were saying, all the blessings in my life that God has blessed me with, I want to impart that into your life. 
See, there's an incredible impartation that happens with the doctrine of laying on of hands. Moms and dads, husbands and wives, we need to lay our hands on each other. Maybe I shouldn't say that. We need to place our hands on each other to love on each other and speak words of life over each other. All the blessings that are in our lives, there's something that you have that God wants you to give away to other people. It's incredible. It's, it's powerful. And so they would take this blessing that God has, again, placed on them. It's one of the reasons at the end of our service, I love to pray a prayer blessing over you. It's not because I see myself as the Pope and, you know, I'm going to be blessing you as you go. It's just simply I'm the pastor of the church. God's put a, a, an anointing on my life that I want to bless you with. It's the doctrine of laying on of hands. So we can take this blessing again and be a blessing to others so that they're blessed and they're able to be a blessing to others. See, too often because we had to go through the school of hard knocks, we want other people to have to go through it too. Moms and dads, when, when, we, are, when we are being able to be a blessing to people but we're saying, you know what, you need to start where I started, we're really missing the point of what God desires to do in our lives and through our lives. Because you see, I want the people that are coming behind me, they're already going to face some challenges of their own. But I want them to stand on my shoulders as where they begin. My ceiling should be their floor. So they're able to go on and do more. They don't have to go back and repeat all of the, the stupid mistakes that I made. And this is one of the elementary teachings of faith. That we are supposed to live our lives touching people and speaking blessings everywhere that we go. In order to part a blessing into the lives of people around us. So my mother lived like this. She really did. She, she was constantly imparting a blessing into my life and would speak life over me. She was an incredible influence in my life. My mother is one of the top influencers in my life. So today, I want to give you four ways that you can do that today. Four ways that you can live your life influencing and impacting the people around you. And listen, I hope that you use this everywhere, but even if you only use it in your home, even if you only use it with just a few close friends, it's going to pay off huge dividends, not only in their life, but also in your life. But just so you know, God's called you and I to impact the people that are around us. Let me give you another shot at that. God's called you and I to impact the people around us. He's called you and I to speak life into them. In fact, you are God's plan to reach and impact people around you. In fact, think about Fill in the blank. Somebody that you know right now, if you don't impact them, who will? God's called you to do it. He's calling you and I to do it. So let me show you four ways that you can be an influencer. Here's the first one. You have to have integrity and trust with people. We've got to operate in integrity. We've got to build trust. At some level, trust is given to people. But we also need to earn trust. And listen, I'm not saying that we have to be perfect. In fact, we live in a world where integrity is something people don't even give a rip about trying to do anymore. They don't, they don't really mind lying to you. It's okay. That's the social norm. That's the way things are. But we need to operate in integrity and in trust with other people. And, and what that means is that we have to be willing to make a choice that I'm going to make a choice to be an example to people that God has placed around me doesn't mean that I'm going to be perfect and I'm always going to get it right, but I'm choosing to be an example. Listen, this is a challenge for all of us, especially in particular areas of our lives, because I don't want my kids driving the way that I drive, if I can be real honest with you today. You know, 
Some of you, you believe that the speed limit is five miles underneath. Is that the way you're supposed to drive? God bless you. For the rest of us, we think that's just the beginning point. You can go three or four miles over, just a few more miles over if you want. And so when people are driving, sometimes when I'm driving, I get a little frustrated. This is an area i got to work on. And I'm driving down, and, and I, I want to zip around them. And I zip around them, and I kind of try to get real close to them to let them know they were going slow. Then all of a sudden, they pull into church behind me. Oh, yeah, <laughs> praise God. Right? We, I don't want my kids driving the way that I drive. Listen, I didn't want my kids acting the way that I did when I was growing up. That's why I didn't tell them a lot of the stories that I'm telling you now. Now that they're older, I can tell you them. See, when I was a little kid, my dad told us those stories. And so I thought, okay, he used firecrackers. If I used an M80 for that, that would really be awesome. I could really blow the lid off that thing. And, and so I didn't want to share those stories. So I need to embrace this teaching. In fact, every one of us needs to hear it because our kids are going to act the way that we act. People are not going to do what you say. They're going to do what you do. So you could talk to them all day long, parents, about how important Jesus is to your life. But if they don't see Jesus as being important in your life, they're not going to do what you do. Listen, things are caught, not taught. We do need to be here to be taught things, but you're going to do what you're seeing other people do. So again, we need to embrace this. And sometimes when we're in a grace-filled environment like this, we want to let people off the hook because we want to be let off the hook. We do. We, we don't want anyone actually holding us to our word, what we said we would do. We don't want anybody holding us to a standard. We want to just be able to, well, this is a grace-filled environment, so just go do whatever you want because we want to be able to do whatever we want. We need to operate, this is good preaching today, by the way. We need to operate in grace while still pursuing all that God has for us. I'm not in any way saying that we need to become mean Christians, but we need to understand there's some biblical standards that we need to walk in and operate in. Preach it, Pastor Richie. 1 Corinthians 11 says this, and you should imitate me. This is Paul talking, just as I imitate Christ. You know what Paul is saying? He's saying, if you want to know how to follow Jesus, just do it like me. You, you want to learn how to pray? Do it like me. You, you want to learn how to read the word of God? Do it like me. You want to learn how to share your faith? Do it like me. Was he being arrogant? No. He was just saying, you know what? I'm further along than some of you. And if you'll pay attention to what I'm telling you, you're going to learn. And that's what I was talking about earlier. When somebody's got a great marriage, when you get next to them, they're going to say, hey, follow me as I follow Christ. You want to know how to have a good marriage? Do it like me. You see somebody that's financially blessed, they're going to say, hey, you want to know how to be financially blessed? Do it like me. Listen, we should be able to and be willing to say this to everyone else. People that we're a little bit ahead of them on our journey, we can help them through, through some of the pitfalls that they may deal with. Listen, you're not always going to get it right. I won't always get it right. Honey, put your fingers in your ears and hum for just a second. I won't always get it right, right? But what I'm going to learn to do is I'm going to learn to say I'm sorry. Something we're missing in today's proud, pride-filled society I'm sorry, that was not the way that mommy should have acted. That's not the way that daddy should have acted. I'm sorry, that's not the way that I should have acted. And listen, when we, when we don't do it right, we're going to back out and we're going to figure it out. In fact, better yet, we're going to pull this person along and say, hey, help me figure it out. Because we're in this thing together. Listen, God never designed you to walk in the Christian life by yourself. 
He designed you to be in relationship with other people, that there are other people that have what you need. There are other people that need what you have. And when you're in relationship with them, you can speak words of life and say, listen, I've walked that road before. I can tell you what it's like to go through a bad breakup. I can tell you what it's like to have a kid that's wayward. I can tell you what it's like to not make good financial decisions. Or, hey, I can tell you what it's like to make right financial decisions. We get to speak life into other people's lives. See, I don't think to have integrity and trust with people, you have to be perfect. You don't. In fact, we've thought that, so we're thinking, I can't do that, therefore I'm not going to try to do that. You don't have to be perfect. Who's the person, when you think of the word integrity, you think of? You know who I think of? Dr. Billy Graham. When I think of a man of integrity for years of ministry. But I can tell you, I can promise you this. There were times when Billy Graham didn't do it quite right. There were times when he yelled at his kids, kicked his dog, right? There were some times, and we've got this elevated thing of, I've just got to do it all right all the time. You don't. You just have to recognize it's the pursuit of what you're doing. You know, I I shared with a, a group of men that I met yesterday, there is a difference in failing on the way to your promised land than failing on your way back to Egypt, it's, the, it's an issue of direction. It's an issue of understanding the direction that you're heading. Because listen, on our way to the promised land, you're going to miss the mark a few times. But don't give up and go, well, I just can't do it. I'm heading back to Egypt and fail all the way back to Egypt. Make a decision. I'm going to live right. I'm going to live with integrity. I'm going to build trust. And I'm going to be an example to people in my life. Learn from your mistakes. Listen, if you don't admit your st- mistakes, you are doomed to repeat them. You really are. And listen, people in your life, they already know that you blew it. They really do. Might as well tell them, you know what, I know I said that wrong. So learn from your mistakes. Admit it. Get them out of the way. Integrity and trust are traits that we learn through the journey that God has for us. Let's pursue them. Here's the second way you can be an influencer. Nurture people. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. I can't do that. I'm not a nurturer. Right? Well, sure you can. Do you know what a nurturer is? Yes, it's somebody who's all lovey-dovey with people. A nurturer is somebody who's all the time going, Oh, you're just so cute. You're just so cute. You are such a cutie. Oh, you are such a cutie. You are such a cute little baby. Such a cutie. Right? That's what we think a nurturer is. That's not what a nurturer is. Here's how the dictionary defines nurture. To support and encourage as during the period of training or development. How many of you here today, you need to be supported and you need to be encouraged? Can I see your hand? Raise it up high if you need that. All right, spouses, look around. If your spouse doesn't have their hand up, you've just, they've just been set you free from having to support and encourage them from this point forward. We all need to be supported and encouraged. We all need that during the time of training and development. Because listen, you are still training. You're still in training. You're still in development. God's still growing you. There's more things that God wants to put inside of you. This is what mothers do. This is what my mom did. They, they support and encourage, especially during a time of training and development. My degree that I got in school is composition and arranging music. I, I learned how to write music, learned how to dissect music. And in the early days, I had to write songs. And when I would write those songs, I have to be honest with you, they were not very good. They were a great song for mama to hear. You know what I'm talking about? They weren't something you should ever play live. But my mom would sit there and listen to them. She'd go, oh, that is so good. And what she'd always say to me is, did you make that up? I'd say, yes, mom, I wrote that song. But she was thinking I just made it up. And, and she was always encouraging me, nurturing me. It's what our connect group leaders do. It's what our connect groups do. 
They encourage you when you're developing because you are developing. Just so you think, just so you know, we know you don't have it all together. Just so you know, I don't have it all together. Again, put your fingers in your ears and hum. I don't have it all together. None of us have it all together. We're in process of developing. And in the process, we need to be nurtured. We need people speaking words of life into us. That's what Paul did. Listen, Paul was no wimp. Man, you, you read in Acts how he, he rebuked Peter to his face. I mean, this guy didn't mind saying anything. But here's what it says about him in 1 Thessalonians 2. But we were gentle among you. Like a mother caring for her little children. Paul nurtured them. In other words, he came alongside them, loving them, and giving them what they needed to grow. And listen, it's not always easy to figure out how to nurture people. Sometimes they need compassion, and sometimes they need some guidance. Sometimes they need someone to express empathy to them, to help them understand what they're going through, to cry with them to feel a little bit for what they're walking through. But sometimes they need some guidance. They need someone to shoot straight with them about their wrong behavior. We, we, need, we need both of those things. And just so you know, you're naturally bent one way or the other. You're e either naturally bent towards compassion and every time someone, oh, I'm so sorry that that happened and you really can feel for them, or you're naturally bent, and this is probably the greater group, towards guidance. Why did you do that again? It's the balance that makes it work. So if you're naturally bent towards compassion and you think, oh, I'm just being way too strong, you're probably not. You're probably right in the middle. And if you're naturally bent towards guidance and you're thinking, well, I'm really being a wimp now, you're probably not. You're probably right in the middle. See, there, there's, every situation is not a cookie-cutter situation that you just you always operate in compassion or you always operate in guidance. It's the balance that's incredibly important. So it's a challenge sometimes. Because God has placed people around us, and we need to give to them the encouragement that they need to develop and grow. We need to create a sense of security in their lives so that they know that we're committed to seeing them grow. So they can feel like we're, we're not just constantly beating up on them. One of the things we do as a church is we analyze everything that we do all the time. And the reason why we do that isn't because we're trying to be critical or because we're trying to be mean-spirited. It's just because this staff that I lead, get the opportunity to lead, these leaders at this church are amazing. And there is so much potential inside of them, they are able to do more than what they're currently doing. So we're constantly speaking about what they can do next. That's what we need to do with people. They need to have a sense of security. They need to know that we're going to love them, not if, but when they fail. Because all of us are going to fail. All of us are going to miss the mark. And when you've got some people in your life that say, you know what, I'm going to love you. Brianna, I'm going to love you no matter what you do. I mean that. I mean, I don't care what anyone does in my life. I'm going to love them unconditionally. I'm going to be 100% for them all the time. See, it's, why we're, it's important that we're sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. You think, I've got the Holy Spirit? You do. If you're a child of God, the Holy Spirit resides in you. And you need to be sensitive to know when it is that you need to operate in compassion, when it is that you need to operate in sharing with them what it is that they need to know to fix it. So it's a constant tension between that compassion and guidance. Just so you know, this is Christianity 101. That's why Paul said, by this time, you ought to be teachers. You, we, we should know this already. You should be doing this to, with others now and showing them how to do it. We need to get hands-on in the lives of other people. And just so you know, that's messy. 
It really is, because you know what? People are just, all, and all of us are, we're just a work in progress. So we want to speak blessings into people's lives every day, amen? Here's the third way you can be an influencer, probably my favorite. Have faith in people. I love that one. Have faith in people. Do you know how the Word of God defines faith? Here it is in Hebrews 11.1. 1. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I love the way the New Living Translation puts it. It says it this way. Right there. <laughs> My pointer's not working very well. Okay, let me just read it off. Now, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things that we cannot see. Let me read it again. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. So faith is what I'm hoping for. What's hope? A confident expectation of good. And it's something that I'm not seeing yet. And if you really want to have a positive influence in someone's life, don't, you don't speak things as they are. You speak things as you want them to be. So if you're having trouble in a relationship, you don't speak things as they are. You speak things as you want them to be. Richie, you're so good at that. Thank you for taking out the trash. Awesome. Richie, thank you for speaking words of life over me. I appreciate it when you do that. We don't speak things as they are. Richie, are you going to take out the trash? I've asked you 50 times. This is my son, by the way. This isn't Pam saying this to me. We speak things not as they are, but as we want to see them. When you speak people blessing over people's lives you're saying to them i see something in you again you speak what you hope for even before you see the manifestation of it see people with the eyes of faith it's what happened with abraham in romans 4 17 it says this about abraham it is written i have made you a father of many nations just so you know he wasn't a father yet why wasn't he called the patriarch or the prophet or the pastor he was those things because there was this natural connection, a relational connection that God wanted us to see. He was going to be the father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom we believe. The God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. So even in the natural, Abraham was not seeing himself as a father. He exercised his faith and he saw himself as a father. He called it before he saw it. And I want to challenge you in your work life, in your home life. Don't call things as they are. Call things that are not as though they were. When people in your life are messing up, start calling things, things that are not as though they were. When people are doing the wrong thing, they're saying the wrong thing, call things that are not as though they were. Speak life into them. Tell them, listen, I see a champion in you. Listen, this is not who you are. I see great destiny in you. Tell them you can make it. Tell them you're more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. Listen, I told you when I was growing up, I was a little ornery. When I was about 16 years old, uh, two buddies of mine, in fact, um, there's a lady here today, she knows this family. Uh, a couple buddies of mine, we, we went camping. And again, this is Iowa, so you got to do something recreational when you're camping. So we took beer with us. Not only did we take beer, but we took Everclear. This is my first time to ever drink, and my buddies gave me beer with Everclear in it. 
Now, if you can imagine how nasty that was, it was nastier than you could probably imagine it was. I don't know if they thought we were going to run out of gas, and so we needed to use the Everclear on the way back or what. But anyway, so we, we drank some, some Everclear in beer, my first time to drink and get drunk. It was horrible. Well, somehow, my parents found out, my brother Phil told on us, I'm not really going to say what happened, how that happened, but somehow, my parents found out, and so when they found out, needless to say, I got in trouble. I'm raised in Christian home all my life. I'm in, in a point in my life where I'm really struggling in my relationship with God. Well, a Saturday night service at church, um, the pastor calls me forward, and yes, I did say Saturday night. For those of you that are wondering, Saturday night service, yes, we used to go to church Sunday school. Sunday morning service, Sunday night service, Wednesday night service, and Saturday night prayer service. Was that a lot? It was. In fact, I think it was too much because we were so busy being in church that we were hardly able to be the church out in society. But I'll just tell you this, all my family's serving God. All my family knows God, and we got the Word of God downloaded into us. In fact, can I tell you that if you come every Sunday out of a 30-day month, and you're there all four Sundays, you're actually in church less than 1% of your month. If there's a five Sundays in that month, you actually hit 1%. Okay, a little sidetrack there. So anyway, did wrong. Sunday night service, the pastor at the end of the service says, Richie, would you please come up here? I'd like to pray for you. So I'm making my way up, and as I'm making my way up, my friends are kind of kneeling down. They're all snickering at me like, busted, all the way down. So I get up to the front. I grew up in a Pentecostal church. Now, those of you that grew up in a Pentecostal church, you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about. Those that didn't, you won't understand it quite as well. But the pastor began to pray for me, and he put his hand on my head, and he started kind of pushing me around as he's praying for me. And as he's pushing me around, I'm kind of like this, and I'm thinking, okay, what's going on here? What's he doing? And he's telling me, Richie, don't fight the spirit. I thought, I'm not. I'm fighting your hand. <laughs> he keeps pushing on me. Well, finally, I just, it just, I, he could tell I wasn't going to do the courtesy drop. I wasn't just going to fall down. And so anyway, he, he just, he stopped and he said, okay, Richie, why don't you just kneel down and pray right here? So I just knelt down for just a second. He began to call over the people forward. I jumped up, said, it's baloney. God is not really real. All of this is just a bunch of baloney. And I walked out of that place not really trusting or believing in God. Spent the next several years of my life drinking, partying, doing all kinds of wrong things. And there were times when I would come home late at night and I'd been drinking excessively. And I literally was drunk, had driven myself home and would literally stumble over my mom praying for me, praying for me in the living room floor. There were times when she would catch me and she'd look at me and she'd say, Richie, you're better than this. Richie, this is not who you are. Richie, you're destined for greatness. I, I, I tell you, this, I felt this way then and I feel this way still today. At that time, I wish that she had beaten me. I wish that she had just done all these things, but because she spoke destiny into my life, I knew that she was right. When you speak destiny over someone, you got to know, they know that you're right. They know that there's more inside of them than what they're currently operating in. When she would speak destiny over me and she'd say, Richie, you're better than this. And I have to tell you, I don't know where I would be today if it had not been for my mom declaring the promises of God over my life, speaking faith over me and other people that have been in my lives. I am the man today because other people believed in me, because they spoke life into me. She kept telling me that. Listen, we don't want to be defined by how others may or may not see us. We want to be defined by how God sees us. And God says that you're more than a conqueror. 
that you are the head and not the tail, that you're blessed going in and you're blessed in everything that you put your hand to. So in those moments when you want to speak the problem one more time because you're so tired, I want to encourage you to speak faith. Declare faith over the person. Here's the fourth and final one, probably the one that's the most difficult for all of us to operate in in order to influence people. And it's listen to people. Just, just listen. This was something that my mom was amazing at, listening to people. Whenever you were with her, you had her undivided attention. In fact, she could be incredibly busy, and I could come in, and I could tell her about taking a Band-Aid off my arm and how much it hurt when I ripped it off and how it was just left a little mark and a welt and all this stuff. And she just sat there like I was telling her the most amazing thing in the world. She was an incredible listener. And listen, most of us are not wired that way. In fact, we want to share what we want to say. We, we've got some things to say, and by golly, we just want to say them, especially when it's something that we know something about or that we're pretty passionate about. In, in fact, whenever I talk to couples that are either just about ready to get married or they're walking through some challenges in their life, I teach them the simple principle that I learned from Stephen Covey in his book, Seven Habits, and it's, it's this. Seek first to understand and then to be understood. Just so you know, we're, we're wired the exact opposite. When we get in a conflict with somebody, we want to tell them what we think. What we think is the right thing. We want to share what we believe. In fact, even sometimes when they're sharing with us and we are listening, we're actually just thinking of our response. We're thinking about what we want to say back to them. And if you get two people doing that, all you have going on is the dialogue of the deaf. Because everyone's speaking and no one's listening. It's a real challenge for us to listen. In fact, they've actually hooked up monitors to people. It takes more energy to listen to people than it does to speak to people. There's a lot of energy to really dig in. In fact, once, once people begin to understand this and couples begin to operate in this, they quickly resolve even jugular issues in their marriage or in their relationship. One of, us has, one of you has to make the choice in the relationship to say, hey, you go first. I want to understand what it is that you're saying. One of us has to make a choice in the relationship with that kid that seems like he keeps acting out all these problems and we feel like we have no influence. You probably have more influence than you realize. You're just influencing him in the wrong way. You need to stop and say, hey, tell me what's going on in your life. And when you're doing that, don't read your autobiography into it. Don't tell him, don't start answering for him the problem before he's telling you or she's telling you. Let him get it out. Let them share it. Let them say it. They're going to feel understood. Which, by the way, I want you to know that we're not, we're not saying that you're agreeing with what they're doing. Believe it or not, there are people in this church who are not living their life according to the word of God. And we want you to know we love you, we believe in you, but we're not saying that what you're doing is okay. But we're going to continue to love on you. We're going to continue to get you to understand how perfectly God loves you. Because the moment that you really understand how perfectly God loves you, you want to follow after him. You want to listen to him. You want to obey the truths in the word of God. Because you know that he loves you unconditionally. And if he's God and you're not, he probably knows a lot better what you need than you do. So we want to help him. James says this. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Listen, when I, when I talk with people and I counsel with them, um, I, I listen actually more than I talk. And, and when I do, sometimes they walk out of there saying, Pastor Richie, you helped us so much. And sometimes I didn't say anything. It was amazing. They think I'm brilliant. I didn't say a word. How many of you here today, you can say nothing? Two of you. The rest of you, I just got to talk, right? <laughs> I'm going to have to say, listen, every one of us can say nothing. You can just say something. And listen, sometimes, again, it's just so easy for us to try to diagnose the problem 
before we really fully understand the problem. And again, when people feel understood, they let all their guard down. We have to take time to listen to people and discover really what the root issue is. Because a lot of times you're seeing some fruit problems, but you don't understand what the root issue really is. So listen, it's really not rocket science. It's rocket science in being a positive influence with people. It's really not to be a blessing and be a blessing into their lives, but you have to be intentional in your life. You have to make a decision that, you know what, I'm going to operate in some of these things. I'm going to operate according to the word of God, to speak life, to have integrity and trust, to be a nurturer, to, to have faith in what it is they're doing, and then to listen to them. And I want to encourage us, just like our moms influenced us, to take what our moms did for us and pour back into other people, that we can begin to help people walk in the life that God has for them. So I'm going to ask you just about it. This has been a presentation of Amarillo Fellowship, a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Christ. For more information and other podcasts, visit amarillofellowship.com.